Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Angela Shohet Alea Shalom Nishmat Onjel Batlulu on her second Askara sponsored by her son, Haron Shohet. Also dedicated in loving memory of Faraj Kashanian, Lilunishmat Faraj Geoa Ben Batya, for his sixth Askara by his daughter Miriam Kishanian. Dad, Alava Shalom, you are loved and missed more each and every day. Also dedicated for a speedy and completed Fuashima for Albert Avraham. Ben Ruhama Maslatona Kohen from Joel and Avi Oster. As well, sponsored by Shlomo and Shavi uh, Abekasis in honor of the birth and the Brit Milah of their grandson, brought to their children, Devorah and Michael Farhi, my cousin. May he grow to be a big Tamichacham and bring joy and happiness to the Abekasis and Farhi families. Stay, uh, also sponsored by Stephen Rappaport, the breakfast king, in honor of Rabbanit Chana Farhi, Chana Batsimafega. For the joy she brought to the congregation by her presence on Shabbat, may she be blessed with a speedy, easy, and complete refuah shlema. Also dedicated for the speedy and complete refuah shlema of Smadar Bat Dorit, uh, Doris, sorry, sponsored anonymously, and sponsored by the Shem Tov family, dedicated in loving memory and lilui nishmatem of their father, Mayor Ben Rivka, Alava Shalom, whose Askara is on Thursday, and their grandfather, Rafael Ben Esther, whose Askara is on Wednesday. Ruach Began Eden. Finally, of course, uh, the breakfast of the class is dedicated for Refuah Shemar Rabbi Eli Abadi, Eliyahu Shimon Ben Mazal Futune, and for a speedy and complete Refuah Shemar for Rabbi Nichan Afari, Chanabat Simafega, and last but not least, for the week of Cobra, who's sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to good today and every day. My friends, let us begin. The Pasuk tells us, Lo Yachel Devaro, Kechol Ayotzemi Piv. Yaaseh. A person should not profane their language. They should not make their words chulin. They should not make them uh, mundane or ordinary, but rather keep their words holy. According to what comes out of your mouth, Yaaseh, you should do. I want to read to you the words of the Reshit Chochmah. The Reshit Chochmah says, in Sha'ara Kiddusha, Reshit Chochmah says in Shara Kiddushah, Ish ki idor nedel Hashem lo yachel devaro. He says, listen to this. Harotze shititkabel... Shh, mechila, mechila. Mechila. Harotze shititkabel tefilato. If a person wants his prayers to be answered, yashlim nedarav. He should make sure that all his nedarim, all his nedavot, are paid up in full. Ya'eni. There used to be a synagogue that until a person would pay the bill that they owed the synagogue from all the nedarim, from all the times they went up to the sefer, they wouldn't give them another aliyah. They wouldn't give them another, uh, they wouldn't sell them seats in the synagogue because you're telling us you're going to give us more, you're telling us you want to pay, but you haven't filled, you haven't paid your bill. So the person actually complained to the synagogue and said, where did this new minhag come from? Where's this new idea? You're bringing in these new rules, these new halakhot, new minhagim. It's a little bit, uh, it's... It's, it's unfair, but really the makor for this is a little bit deeper than what this man understood. It's not just that the synagogue can't sell you a seat if your bill has not been brought up to date. Forget the seat that you're sitting in, the prayers that you're uttering, my friends. Now, of course, a person made a donation to a synagogue, then they went bankrupt. They don't have the money to pay it. It's not the case. That's an honest. HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands a person doesn't have. They made it with all intention to do to pay. They made an intention to give tzedakah to a poor person, to a sadiq, 
to a person learning, studying kolel, to a yeshiva, to a mikveh. But then now they can't fulfill it. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, understands that it's an honest. However, in a case where that's not the scenario, where a person has the ability to fulfill his neder, he's just being lazy. He gets 74 bills from the synagogue for three years until he pays his bill. He should just know, says the Rashid Chokhmah, if he wants his prayers to be answered, he has to keep his word. If a person is careful with his nedarim and his nedavot, therefore what happens? His prayers get answered. My friends, it is according to this teaching of the Reshit Chokhmah that we understand a very strange practice. On the night of Yom Kippur, before we begin our prayers on the holiest day of the year, to get kapara, to get a good year, what do we start with? Kal Nidre. Right? We go and ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, in front of the Bedin Shelmala and Mata, to undo our nidarim and our nidavot. It's a strange thing to do. Why are we doing this on Yom Kippur? Surely there's worse things that a person could do. And the answer is, maybe there are worse things, worse sins, that we should start Yom Kippur asking forgiveness from. But my friends, if you want your words to have power in Shamaim, your words have to have power in your mouth. If you want Hashem to listen to you, you have to treat your own words with respect. And if a person doesn't treat their words with respect, Hashem says, why should I treat your words with respect? So for a person's prayers to get answered, they should make sure that the nedarim and the nedavot, what they said they were going to do, and this is not just donations, by the way. It's anything that a person says they're going to do, that they stick to their word and they keep their word and their prayers yet answered. I want to read to you a language, an expression that our Chachamim bring, it's a Gemara in Moed Katan, on page 18. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan taught, Minayin shibirit kiruta lesefataim. How do we know that a covenant was enacted with lips? Now that's a strange expression. It means to say that God swore, God promised the lips of mankind. He ensured with a brit. A brit is a covenant. That's what God has with the Jewish people. God made a covenant with the lips. Shine'emar, as it says, Vayomer Avraham el Ne'arav. Prior to the Akedah, what did Avraham say to Yishmael, to Eliezer? Vayomer Avraham el Ne'arav. Shivu lachem po'em Stay here with the donkey. Ve'ani ve'hanar, and I and the child. Who's the child in this scenario? Yitzchak. And I and the child, Nilchad Ko, we're going to go over there to the mountain. We're going to prostrate ourselves to God. And we will return to you. Says the Gemara. Listen to this, you should get goosebumps. And the, the thing was helped. In other words, they had Siata Dishmaya. That indeed, what happened? Both of them returned like Avraham Avinu said. Avraham said, we're going to go there, we're going to pray, we're going to come back. And indeed, they both came back. Yeah, Avraham did not come back alone from the Akedah. The angel came down in the middle of the Akedah and said, What do we see from here, says the Gemara, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that God made a covenant with the lips. 
Now I want to illustrate something that I think is very, very powerful. This covenant with the, with the lips, where did it begin? Where did it start? It started on the very first day of creation. In the very first instant of creation. The Torah tells us in the beginning of Bereshit that the first utterance of God, what did God first say? Yehi or. That was the first utterance of God, right? God said, let there be light. And there was light. That means that what was the very first thing that happened in creation? Light came about. And how did light come about? Because God said it would be so. That means that baked into the nature of creation, this is not a quid pro quo. This is not a reward. This is not a, 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 a payback because you did something good with the neder, so now Hashem's going to listen to your prayers. The Gemara is going much further. It's telling us that our words have power. Now, I need to, I need to drive this point home, and, and I don't know if I could do so. I don't know if I could do so in an adequate way, but I need you to understand because people, I think, will misunderstand what I'm saying. I want to share with you an example of this that comes about from the in the strangest way. There's a, uh, a cemetery in Eretz Israel. It's found right by the entrance to the city of Petah Tikva. You could go there today. We have some Israelis here in the crowd. You might know the cemetery, right? Outside of Petah Tikva, Nachon. It's a very famous cemetery. If you go to the cemetery, you'll find that there's one stone an old stone. It's there from the beginning of the cemetery. In fact, it was the first cemetery, the first stone, the first burial in that cemetery. When did they, uh, when did they uh, uh, set aside the cemetery as a place to bury uh, Jewish people when they passed away? It was in the year Tafresh uh, Memtet. Now where are we? We're Tafshin Pegimel, which is 783. Soon, 84, inshallah, okay? That's where we are. That's where we're, we're up to. Now, that means from 783 back to 649, it's uh, over 120 years, okay? So 120 years ago, they set aside the cemetery. And the people who set aside the cemetery, they came together. It reminds me, by the way, I don't know if anyone had the chance to take a look and to see the wonderful uh, uh, videos that came out this week of the new Beta Almin, the new funeral home that the Syrian community uh, dedicated in, in Deal, New Jersey. A beautiful place with amazing spaces for Kohanim. They had everyone come and they gave all the speeches. It was dedicated this past week. I said it's the first and last happy occasion in that room. And everyone comes. The last time everyone's smiling having a breakfast, okay, wonderful, yeah? My friends, it's a beautiful thing to have a space dedicated, a proper space, a place that's accessible. So this day came and they dedicated and they sanctified that this ground should be set aside as a beta karot for the community. And listen carefully, when the people were standing there, the Hevra Kadisha, 
the people that were involved in getting the land together, they finished. And before they left the space, the group of people that were there were talking. And, you know, jokingly, they turned one to another and they said, I wonder who's going to be the first person who's going to be buried in this new cemetery. Who's going to inaugurate the cemetery? One of the guys standing there, as a joke, he said, I have no problem going first. My friends, within 10 days, he was buried in that spot. Listen carefully to the end of the story. And on that tombstone, the rabbis of the city decided to write in huge letters, Brit Kiruta Lisifataim. A covenant was made with the lips. That if a person says words, you don't understand the power of your words to come to fruition. And they wrote the story on this man's tombstone. What an odd piece of trivia. What an odd uh, thing, a curiosity to be able to see, but also to stand as an eternal reminder not to open our mouths. Our rabbis tell us a very famous idea, Al-Tiftach Satan. Don't open your mouth to the Satan. A person should never say words that could be construed as a negative thing. By the way, and who, you're thinking to yourself, who would ever talk that way? Who would ever say something like that? You don't realize? You say these things all the time without realizing. Can I give you an example about how a person speaks terrible things, negative things about themselves? How many times you heard someone say, just my luck, I'll get there and... Watch, I'll invest and then the company will go bankrupt. Watch, what are you doing? We don't pay attention. And the reason why we don't pay attention is because we do not understand the power of words. We started off talking about the Rishit Chochmah, where the Rishit Chochmah tells you you want your prayers answered, make sure you fulfill your nidarim, make sure you're a righteous person, make sure your tongue is sanctified. But we end up telling you the words of the Gemara, Brit where the Gemara makes, listen closely, the Gemara makes no conditions for your words to be fulfilled. This is not superstition. You know, the Chalabis are very superstitious. Everything to do with the Hamsa de Gomeznun. God forbid there should be a shoe upside down. God forbid someone should step over a baby. Step back over the baby. All the crazy things that we have. Many different things that are superstitious. Some of them are real. Some of them are borrowed from Arab culture and they're nonsense. This idea, don't speak that way. Don't say that. Barminan. Lo alenu, that we were trained to be able to say that's not superstition. When you talk negatively about yourself, you know, someone said you're going into a business meeting and you say, Look, this is not my strength. I'm not good at this. You know what you just said? You said you're not good at it. You know what will happen. Not just psychologically, you won't be good at it, a self fulfilling prophecy, but rather a self fulfilling prophecy because if you say the words my friends you introduce a reality into this world how careful do we have to be with our negative expressions my friends I want to give 
one other example uh, of, uh, of how this works in a tragic way, in a way maybe that will be a kapara for the person involved in the story because he asked that it should be repeated. There was a fellow, unfortunately, the Sefer uh, Pininim, he writes, he went to visit, the rabbi went to visit someone during a shiva. He sits down, it's a very difficult case. The father, unfortunately, he'd lost a child many years before as a young, as a young child. And unfortunately now, at a, at a later age, the second son, his son passed away as a, a soldier. Anyway, the rabbi comes in to be Menachem, he sits down, he wants to be there, he wants to share in the pain of this person. And the father says to this rabbi, he says, Rabbi, I need to tell you a story. The rabbi says, okay. He says, I was sitting last night with my brother and we were talking. And my brother reminded me of something. And I feel like I need to share it with you, rabbi, he says, to this rabbi who wrote the book. He says, because you teach Torah. And maybe you could tell people what I realized only last night. Rabbi's very curious, what is he talking about? He said, we were sitting here, it was very sad. And my brother said to me, he says, please, can I say something to you, but please don't get angry with me. Brother says, of course. He says, you know, I was thinking last night how difficult this, has been, this experience has been to you. No one ever wants to see, no one ever wants to understand, no one ever wants to experience. He says, and suddenly it hit me like a lightning bolt. I went back in time, I remembered when you and I were teenagers, he says. They were in Israel, there's something called a, uh, uh, what's it called, oh gosh. Uh, the, the, uh, I forget the name of it, in Israel, where instead of going by cab, you put 20 people into, into a tender, but there's a name for the, when, Shirut, Shirut, there we go, okay? Put 20, wait till they, they wait till they fill it up with 20 people and then they drive and they drop everyone off on their way. Anyway, there's two, me and you, he says, we were sitting in the tramp, but you have to, in this tender, but you have to wait sometimes, quite some time until it fills up. Anyway, one, two, three, four, it's almost full. He says, and do you remember, he says, you told the driver, nu yalla, sakvar, let's go already. Come on, it's full, we've been waiting for too long. We can't, we can't wait any longer. And the driver turned around and he said, of just a few more minutes, we waited a few more minutes, we still didn't have the last one, two passengers. You yelled at him again. You said, no, let's go. Come on. And the man said, Yeled, you were only a, a teenager. They have the best expression in Israel. That I wish there was a way to say it in, in English. They, they talk about that the, 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 the teenage years, the years when people are silly, when people are, you know, just full of impatience. And I, exactly, he knows it already. Like, you know, it's an age where, at the teenage years when you're just an idiot. And, and you turn to this driver, and the driver said to you, Don't speak to me this way. Don't have chutzpah, he said to you. Speak to me with respect. Because I'm a father. Who's, I'm a grieving father, a father who lost a child. And you said to him, Azma, so what? Gamani Avshakul. I'm also a grieving father. 
Sa, travel. He said to him, and you said it to him twice. And the father says, Rabbi, you teach Torah. Tell people my story so that people should learn to be careful with their language. I read a story that illustrates this point so poignantly. And it's something that people say. And again, I want to illustrate this to you because I feel like after reading this about Brit Krutalis Vatayim, there's speed bumps that people are going to hit. You ever, I don't know, you ever been in a car with someone who's holding a coffee cup that's almost full with boiling hot coffee and they're not paying attention and as they're driving with the boiling hot coffee like this, you see in front of them there's a pothole. You know when you see it and it happens too late and you're like, no, and it's like, and the thing goes up and it burns his head and his face and his legs. Right? And you want to yell at him, stop! Right? That's how I feel. Because there's so many expressions that we use that are like this. In the Sefer Orech Yamim, he writes that there was a wedding in Yerushalayim that experienced a terrible tragedy where the mother of the, of the Khatan passed away at the wedding. In the middle of the dancing, she had a heart attack and she passed away. Barmanan. And when they got to the shiva, the rabbi was there, and the people are sitting there, and they're suffering, and they can't believe it, and they had this wedding, and it was so joyous, should have been so joyous, terrible thing. Anyway, the rabbi came, and one of the people said, one of the people said to the rabbi, do you know what my mother said? Again and again and again, this was a, a kid that she had, that unfortunately, had a very, very difficult time getting married. Got married, he got divorced, he got married again. Second wife passed away, struggled to find. His mother would say all the time, I just want to live long enough to see my son get remarried. So she lived just long enough to see her son get remarried. It's crazy to think that our words have power. But my friends, it is equally crazy to think that our words do not have power. Because if you did not believe that your words had power, why did you just spend an hour praying shacharit? Why do you say tehillim? Why do you say mazaltov? Why do you say mabruk? Why do you say rifuah shilema? From our prayers, we need to learn that there is a brit and that my friends that covenant when do you make a covenant i said that those words are strange hashem made a covenant with the lips what's that we had the what does a covenant mean you know what it means that god has a covenant with the jewish people you know what that means it means that if god says i love you because you're a good guy i love you because you're a tzaddik you don't need a covenant for that right because it's conditional when do you need a covenant with someone? When it's unbreakable, when it's unconditional. When no matter what happens, you're still stuck. When the Jewish people sin, God doesn't leave them. You know why? That's a covenant. Hashem's covenant with the lips is that even if the lips are not being used properly, they can still affect things. 
both in a positive way and in a negative way. There are many people today who at the age of 20 and 30 and 40 are making for themselves a kiddush. Why? Because when they got, were born, they didn't have a kiddush. Baby girl, they didn't make a kiddush. When they had a brit milah during COVID, they just did a brit milah. They didn't do any party, they didn't do any suda. You know what happens at a simcha? Everyone comes up to you and says, Mazal tov, mazal tov, mazal tov. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. The rabbi, the chazan, and the guy who's not even Shomer Shabbat. But they all came and they wished you good mazal. They wished you arichut yamin, long life. Only health, health and happiness. Those blessings go into a bank account. And many times Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky used to tell people who were struggling to have a shiduch. He would ask them, when you were born, did your parents make a sebet, a kiddush? Years later they would make. Everyone would say, Mabruka Mazato. And they would see sometimes Yeshuot that they'd been waiting for for a very long time. The idea of the Gemara, Birkat Hediot, Al that the blessing of a simpleton should not be simple in your eyes, is an expression of this covenant. In the beginning of creation, words created, till this point in creation where words create. If you had such a power, wouldn't you be careful with how you said, what you said? Wouldn't you always wish your children only good things? Your wife, your family, your friends? Wouldn't you only say uh, happiness, health, mazal, osher? I'll end with this. One of my favorite stories of the Gemara involves Rav and Ravuna. Ravuna had a favorite mitzvah. What was his favorite mitzvah? His favorite mitzvah was Kiddush. But he was very poor. So he would work and he would spend some money to give to his wife to be able to buy food for Kiddush, buy food for the family. One week, he had, didn't have a dime. He didn't have enough money even to, make, to buy grape juice for the Kiddush for Friday night. He didn't want to miss the mitzvah. The only thing he could sell was his belt. He sold his belt. He bought a couple dollars. He had enough grape juice for Kiddush, but his pants were falling down. So what did he do? He went to the, the river, he pulled out some reeds, and he tied his pants with reeds. Anyway, he comes into the Bet Midrash. Rav sees Rav Huna with his, tie, with his pants tied with reeds. Back then, Rav noticed that something was wrong. Today, the rabbi thinks, oh, it must be Prada. Right? But back then, you saw a guy walking with reeds around his waist. You knew the guy was crazy. He said to Rav Huna, my eye, what's going on? Ravuna said, I had no money, I had to do the mitzvah, I bought this, sold my belt, I bought kiddush. Ravuna, Rav told Ravuna, I bless you, you should be covered in silk. Back then, silk was incredibly expensive. He blessed him, you should be covered in silk. Ravuna's business skyrocketed. Everything took off, everything was amazing. And my friends, he made a wedding, he was very short, Ravuna, and he was lying down on the bench in the entrance hall to the wedding for a quick nap during the pictures, Yani, okay? Anyway, his wife comes in, his daughters, his daughters-in-law, they all take off their outer silk coats, their, their, their uh, clothing. They all threw it on the couch. They didn't see him there. Two seconds later, he wakes up 
covered in silk. The silk of his wife, his daughters, his daughters-in-law, covered in silk. He comes back to Rav and he remembers the bracha that Rav gave him. He comes back to Rav and he says, Rav, your words came true. You blessed me, I should be covered in silk. And look, I was covered in silk. Rav got upset at Rav Huna. Listen, my friends. He says, why didn't you say, Vechen Lemar? I gave you such a blessing of wealth. If you only would have said, you too. Then I would have been blessed also. Obviously, it was a time of Biracha in Shamayim that was a moment of heavenly grace. So my blessing came true. If you just would have said, you too, then I also would have been blessed with such wealth. Why didn't you say, you too? My friends, I learned from this Gemara something extraordinary. You see, if it was me, I was learning the Gemara. If I was seeing the story, you know what I would say? I would say different to Rav. I would say, wow, what a bracha from Rav. Who says that the blessing you too from Rav Huna would have meant anything? But Rav didn't see it that way. Rav didn't see that it was about his merit. Rav saw that it was just an utterance. And it was said in the right time. And who knows if when you wish someone good luck, I hope you smash it today. I hope you close a deal. I hope you make great panasa. I hope you find the shiduch. I hope you have grandchildren. I hope your wife is good. I hope your children are healthy. Who knows if in the moment you say those words, that's not a crack in the, in the heavenly gates, and the doors are open, and those words come true. And all it would have taken was Rav Huna in that moment to say, you too, and that would have been enough. You know what should be on your lips always? Words of blessing. You know what you should be exceedingly careful? Words that are critical. Words that even as a joke, like the man said, I don't mind going first. He's the first one buried in that cemetery. I just want to live long enough to see my son get remarried. And you live just long enough and you don't make it to the Sheva Berachot that night. You see the power of our words. And you see the importance of guarding one's tongue. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.